Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. Check us out at westminstereffects.com. And make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. And I'm here with, after an extended absence... This is Bradley Cox. I'm the lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. As well as... John Ross, Westminster Effects artist and church nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska. And let me backtrack. You can also support us on Anchor and give us money just for doing this. Uh, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We'll put that in the show notes. And today uh, we're going to get, I guess you could say, a little heavier than practical, uh, but it's something we need to talk about. So we have a special guest here uh, in South Carolina with Bradley and me. We'd like to welcome to the show, Corey Truax. Hello there. Good to be here. Uh, so, Corey, you wear very many hats. I do. Uh, tell us about a few of them and give us a little background on yourself. Sure. Uh, so, missionary kid out of West Africa, Ivory Coast. Uh, got to the States when I was well, not quite 10 or maybe around 10 years old. Um, I'm at North Greenville University where I'm the Associate Director of Admissions. Uh, enjoy that. And then I serve as an elder and one of our uh, one of our teachers there at Beachwood Church in Greenville, South Carolina. So that is uh, That's only a few hats. Also, like you. A dog parent. That's very important. Oh, right. Oh, a dog parent. That is very important. So, right. what what kind of dog do you have? Two little mutts from the pound. Oh, fair um, enough. One's a jerk and one is awesome. No, <laughs> uh, she's, she's not well behaved. Sounds familiar. Uh, but yeah, that's so. That's one of many things. I'm also the host of my own show. It's called the Corey Truax Show. It's actually broadcast here on WLFJ Christian Talk 660 live on Saturday mornings. But the podcast is, of course, larger, as you know. The podcasting world is absolutely is killing radio, uh, and so it is out there all same all the places that this podcast is. So, with the Corey Truax show, you typically delve into a mix, kind of mm-hmm. a blend of uh, theology as well as politics. I do, um, and us both being North Greenville graduates, we. Uh, we uh, caused a fair amount of tumult <laughs> while we were there. Uh, each of us, in our own, in our own way, <laughs> some of us were more blunt and had a newspaper platform. I recall. Uh, you had a radio platform, as mm-hmm. I recall, yep. and we caused all manner of stink, um, and still do on occasion uh, via our own uh, personal platforms. Um, so, what's kind of your your goal in dealing with? Uh, politics on your show and on your own platforms, um, especially like we're in the middle of midterm election season. Mm-hmm. There is all manner of chaos in the mass media regarding political things, whether you want to talk about Kavanaugh, whether you want to talk about the LGBT thing or Trump in general, mm-hmm. or I mean, it's it's one thing after another constantly with this 24 hour news cycle. So what's what's your goal? There's a couple there. I, one is it's salt and light. Right, so the the thinking of the culture is rotten. It needs to be cured. Yes. Uh, the way we react to things that we disagree with is rotten. It needs a salt effect. Uh, and so, being so being someone who tries to come with a, I don't always achieve it, but a softer answer, a slower reaction, encouraging my audience, which is primarily going to be Christians who are interested in politics, mm-hmm. to hold on and slow down. Get your priorities straight. Yeah, where the culture is dark, we want to shine some light on it. We want to have that, that disinfectant type of, of a, that kind of effect. But that's my goal. I don't always achieve it. You've maybe you've heard. Sometimes, oh, yeah, sure. I get uh, sometimes get a little riled up. Uh, but the goal, uh, I as well. And Bradley's let me know about it a couple times. <laughs> primary goal. You know, one of my taglines is we want to have deeper, better talk on everything. Mm-hmm. We go to this this proverb concept of that it's a soft answer that turns away wrath we want to be slow to speak uh, and so one of my big themes so what i'm trying to do on my show is tell everybody slow down you can hear something you disagree with and not freak out you can you can process it and hear from others and then put it through a biblical lens and that's what we're trying to do and you've you've used uh i believe it's an eleanor roosevelt quote recently i love this yeah walk us through that so one of the concepts for for my show too now it's not this is not canon it's not scripture but eleanor roosevelt had a very good uh, good point uh, that it is the small minds that talk about people it's the medium minds that talk about current events but it's the biggest minds that talk about ideas and so one of my big themes is stop talking about the news stop talking about the people in the news what are the ideas that brought us here? What are the concepts and philosophies that brought us to these headlines? What are the concepts and philosophies that brought us to these people? 
And we're going to be able to find some more common ground if we stop obsessing about what's in the news and the personalities and we get back to core ideas. Bradley and or John, how does that kind of thinking maybe resonate with you like regarding uh, being a church nerd in Lincoln, Nebraska, or even a pastor in a small town in South Carolina? Go ahead, John. Bradley, oh, yeah, no, I was going to say, Bradley, why don't you take this one? I, I have to, you know, make a make a quick confession here. I am very apolitical, uh, not for any idealistic reason, um, but back in my college days, I uh, I kind of got caught up with a group of friends who who were very politically active um, with uh, college Republicans and things like that, and then I just realized that. It had nothing to do with with uh, partisan divisions or anything. It just wasn't a healthy community for me to be a part of, mm. and uh, and so uh, Bradley, I'd invite you to speak on this, and I'm just going to sit back and listen for a little bit because this is, uh, <laughs> you know, this is kind of a, a section that I've been been out of for a while, and I, my mind's been wandering as well for the last few minutes. So I'm just going to sit back here and and, <laughs> and ponder awesome. the ideas. Still thinking about that uh, for a moment. <laughs> You know, I, I'm thinking I, of I shouldn't have eaten it so fast is what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, I think I am. Uh, I, I love what you said, Corey. I mean, I think there there is so much attention on personalities and people and, um, you know, stigmas and stereotypes is that we can't have conversations about ideas in, anymore. It's, it seems that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the. I think I've become a political like John because of that. Not not just because of that, but because maybe I'll say it this way: is that I struggle, if I'm honest, to figure out where politics, uh, American social issues, how and where they fit in my day-to-day life as a pastor of a little small sampling of the body of Christ. You know, I shepherd a little flock that's part of a bigger flock. Mm-hmm. And how do I, how do I, how do I think well about politics? How do I think well about social issues? And I think social media has, you know, just, it's gotten to the point where it, at least in terms of politics, I just, I don't even want to be on it anymore. Yeah, it's it's not productive. It's not productive, and um, I've even counseled pastor friends of mine to stop, stop trying to address political issues, social issues on social media platforms. Just don't do it. There needs to be conversations with people face to face within our communities, our own uh, social infrastructures. Um, that, that's the only way that it's going to be, you know, productive. Um, and so I don't know. I, I think I have question marks, sure. you know, Corey, mm-hmm. that I, I would welcome input and help from you on because I, I, I you know, <laughs> I have, I have family members that are very pro Trump. I have family members that sort of hold their nose and are pro Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have family members and friends that are so anti-Trump that, you know, they don't even know what to do with themselves. And, you know, on, on both extremes of those spectrums, you, you find that there, there really aren't a lot of reasonable ideas that, you know, give rise to healthy, fruitful conversation. There's just a bunch of rhetoric and mm-hmm. um, media sound bites that, that, that just keep pushing us into these tribal corners yes. where, you know, I think that's the the greatest threat to the American, I don't know, American civic uh, fiber. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. Is is the tribalism. I have two thoughts on that. Um, So one is helping our people get get straight priorities. Uh, So even coming to the Trump idea, I think we've all forgotten that in 15 years, we won't remember any of this. Mm -hmm. That we are all living in this moment so much that this, all of these things matter so much. We might not remember the the Kavanaugh fight in five years. Maybe a year from now, everyone would have forgotten. So reminding everybody, hey, this thing you think is super important, you are placing way too much priority on this. Mm -hmm. We're all going to forget it really quickly. So priorities, but then also identity. Remembering 
this thing is not only these things that you think are so important in this moment, these personalities, these events that you think are so important in the in the concept of a global eternity. This American fight that happened in 2018 just doesn't affect it. Doesn't it shouldn't affect you like it is. It sh you shouldn't care about it like like you do. So getting people back into their priorities, what actually matters, because these things matter. They mm -hmm. matter a lot less than you think they do. Mm -hmm. So getting mm -hmm. the priorities straight and then identity that. You know, your your second citizenship is American. Like you, you get to be a part of this kingdom of God thing that's that's global mm -hmm. and it's eternal. So you don't have to be so affected by the effects of this moment where we are. But I and I would even argue that not only do we not have to be affected, we shouldn't be affected. That's great. Because yeah. I mean if if you know I know that um, when when you went to the SBC convention this year, I, I follow you on social media, and you posted quite a bit about the, you know, sort of the, uh, you know, God and country emphasis with which that convention began. Yes. And how problematic that is for the church, and that that might even be a whole other direction for this conversation. We don't want to go, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that we are. We are, as the Bible would call us, we are sojourners. We are pilgrims exiles. in America. We're exiles in America, and 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 I think a lot of Christians struggle with that language. They struggle with that idea. Uh, they don't know how to think of themselves that way in America because, particularly in the South, evangelical Christianity and the American dream and American allegiance and. Uh, patriotism has been so intertwined. Mm -hmm. There is not a healthy separation there, and um, I, I think I think we've we've somehow, in, in terms of discipleship, we've got to help the church think better about their kingdom citizenship and how that informs their American citizenship before we even begin to try to talk about Trump, mm -hmm. Kavanaugh, and whatever else we want to talk about mm -hmm. in politics as Christians. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm really glad you guys talked about like identity and kingdom. Um, Bradley and John, you guys didn't know me in college where Corey did, and like back then I was like Mr. God and Country. Me too. Like America all day. Me too. And, and maybe I've overcorrected in these days, you know, just all cards on the table so we know where people are coming from. Like these days it's heavy libertarian or even like a minarchist <laughs> stance, like yeah. get off my lawn <laughs> <laughs> type, of, type of mentality. Yeah, I can get um, on board with that. <laughs> where And, and I'm, I'm open to maybe I've overcorrected with that too. Um, but there, I, I definitely am concerned with, uh, and, and this is mostly Christians who identify as political conservatives, obviously, that, that have this problem. Christians who identify as politically more liberal have a different set of problems that mm -hmm. isn't quite as loud most of the time, um, is, is seeing stuff like uh, singing the national anthem in church and stuff like that. It, yeah. really just, it really just does not sit right with me. me um, and obviously we're not doing that here at res. I think, mm -hmm. I think Bradley, you'd probably have an aneurysm if, <laughs> if somebody managed to sneak that in, uh, which is, which is a very good thing. I think, but here's what we can be teaching our people. The American Christian in the context of the eternal global church, we're quite the minority group. When we finally get to eternity, the American Christian looking around at everyone else that's there, you're going to have a hard time finding another American Christian. There are going to be a yeah. lot of Asian Christians and African Christians in this microcosm of 1776 to 2001 ever. This, this global, timeless church, and then we think that we are particularly connected to it for some reason, that there's mm -hmm. this Americanity, this American Christianity, mm -hmm. uh, that we think we're special, but in the end, we're this little blip. And so giving people the, the, the context in history that... You know, you're you're not a special part of the you're not a special part of the church, the global timeless church. Uh, that you're you're just one piece of a larger puzzle. There, I think there is in American Christianity some kind of idea that God might favor us more than the Chinese Christian, the Brazilian Christian, the Congolese Christian. But we're not. We're we're global and we're timeless. The other uh, lesson I, I definitely want to give Christians is that idea of exile. I love that word. It's a really important theme throughout Scripture. It's one of the design themes of Scripture. Uh, you get to either Jeremiah 29, not the used poorly 11, but um, a little bit after that. <laughs> then uh, after, uh, you can get to 1 Peter. So he opens that, that, that epistle 
that that is to Gentiles and Jews all over Asia Minor. He says, you elect exiles. Now, remember, this This could be someone uh, who's in Laodicea. The, the, he, the, he's, they're gathering together with their other believers. Hey, Peter wrote us a letter. Let's get together and, and read Peter's letter. And he was born in Laodicea. He's never, he's never moved. He might have a sticker on his chariot that says, I was Laodicean born and Laodicean bred, and when I die, I'll be Laodicean dead. And then when Peter opened the letter and Peter says, you elect exile, that guy goes, exile? Mm-hmm. I'm from here. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And the and we have to get that because the American doesn't feel like an exile. Mm-hmm. But we've got to start feeling, and thank the Lord for this. This isn't home. Right. The uh, just look around your country. It's, it's not a Christian one. Anyone, anyone watch TV? Uh, right. Anyone seen a culture? Yeah. Uh, and so helping our people understand in a glorious way, you're not from here. These are not. These are not your. Uh, these are not your values. These are not your people. Right. So in a pastoral sense. Um, how do we then approach uh, political issues? Because there are some things that the Bible very necessarily deals with. Yeah. And some of us will think that the, it deals with uh, political issues more than others. Um, but we can at least get on board uh, with things like the homosexuality agenda, yeah. uh, things like um, our I like to call it our prenatal holocaust yeah. uh, that we have. And it's 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 really just sad. Um, but Bradley, you said a lot of good stuff right after the Oberg, uh, bleh, the Obergefell decision, uh, where it was like, this is a big deal. Let's go ahead and talk about yeah. this explicitly, even though it's not necessarily in the text. Uh, do you remember? I mean, it was it was a minute ago. So do you remember exact? Well, obviously verbatim, you remember what you said. <laughs> <laughs> you you but, have to remind me. You don't, re- you don't remember what I said? I, I don't remember exactly what you said. It was along the lines of Jesus is still on the throne. Yeah. Right. It, I mean. Did you seriously forget what you had said? That's 2013, right? That's eons ago these days, right? right, right. In, in these news cycles, it is. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it's, it's interesting to me that um, the, the posture of the Apostle Paul um He wasn't, I don't think he was passive. Um, I don't think he was, um, I don't know, maybe you might call him apolitical, John, in some ways. I mean, he he writes to Philemon, and he doesn't doesn't rail against slavery from a governmental standpoint. He just calls a slave owner who's in the faith to treat Onesimus differently. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's in the context of the body of Christ and, and his language about praying for our leaders and, and basically, you know, praying that they would leave us alone to allow us to do what we do. Right. Which I think gives rise to our gratitude for living in America, for the freedoms that we do still enjoy, however short lived they may or may not be right. going forward, is that we do enjoy those freedoms and we give thanks for them and we pray for and vote for leaders that we think are going to best make room for the church to be the church. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the the expectation should be, I, I think I'm answering your question. The expectation should be that the church be the church. Yeah. Right. That the church, you know, yes, within the context of the body of Christ, there, there should be no racism. Yeah, man. Yeah. There should, there should be a call to those battling same sex attraction within the context of the, the church and faith that there is gospel hope for you. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, we, we can't expect the world to act like the church. Yep. We, the yep. world's going to be the world. So there's going to be in America, a homosexual agenda, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be, um, you know, people elected that promote those sort of things. And there's going to be Supreme courts that affirm a marriage between two men or two women. But, I think what we, you know, and it's probably where I was going when I addressed that issue is that we have to remember that Christ is on the throne. The God man rules the universe and he's going to reconcile all things to himself. Um, The kingdoms of our, of this world will be the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And, but until that we, until we experience that in its fullness, the world is going to behave like the world, and there are yeah. going to be leaders elected that don't represent Christian values well. Um, but 
in the context of the church, we have to remember that Christ is our king. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our allegiance is there. Not just, I would even, I don't even like the language that, you know, um, my 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 citizenship and my allegiance is more to Christ than America. It is ultimately and totally to Christ. That's yes. good, man. Yeah. That's you know good. what I'm saying? And, and, and to whatever degree America serves that purpose, right. great and amen. And mm-hmm. I'm thankful for it. So the I think coming out of your original question is how do we then, if this is our value, that the citizenship is ultimately in Christ, it's ultimately in heaven, we understand America is this blip on the radar, the radar that's going to pass away. How do we engage? Uh, this is where that Jeremiah 29 thing I was going to bring up. You talk about exiles. Yeah. So this is actually written to those who are in Babylon. So what do we do if we're not home? Mm-hmm. And we, we, we want to go home. So for the a, a modern American Christian, we want to be home. And this isn't home. We want to be with Christ. We want the kingdom of God. So what do we do while we wait? And the instructions to the to the to the Israelite in exile was just plant a garden, uh, grow food, start a business, uh, engage in the culture, uh, get married, have kids, and work for. This is the 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 Bible actually says work for the welfare welfare of the city. That doesn't necessarily mean political involvement. Right. It it might include political involvement, but yeah, do do good work for the for the people around you. And and that might be civic engagement. uh, But knowing that ultimately the best civic engagement is the gospel. So it's going to include uh, maybe some political stuff. But knowing first, well, the first thing we need to do is get the gospel to people. That's going to that's going to improve Mm -hmm. our city. That's going to improve our culture. And then that will uh, this is another part of the government thing. Uh, Government is downstream of culture. So culture creates government, not the other way around. Who That's we true. are elects people. That's true. And so when you change who we are, you actually will change flowing down to what government becomes. Yes. So so what you're saying is get the gospel out by all means necessary. Yes. If you're worried about politics more than the gospel, you've got your, you've got your stuff straight. You've got your stuff uh, mixed up. Yeah. So get these things straight. You change the culture. You change the voters. And if you change the voters, you change the government. So let's throw a curveball here to satisfy some nerds. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe I'm just more aware of it, or maybe it's picking up steam, but I've, I've at least heard a lot more theonomous uh, these days. Uh, and for those of you who are unaware, the theonomy is basically that uh, it uses, uses kind of like Romans 13 plus the Pentateuch, that government is God's servant. Um, and therefore, it basically exists to enforce God's law. And I'm probably butchering some of the definition uh, to an extent, but it utilizes verses uh, like, hey, other nations are going to look at this law and and just be in awe of how just it is. Um, and it'll it'll point back to uh, our America's founding, uh, where a lot of it, uh, presumption of innocence, uh, search warrants, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that is explicitly based off of the Pentateuch. Uh, so what do we do with that camp? Uh, should should we advocate uh, for for a quote-unquote Christianizing of the government? Obviously, we would have to have a massive overhaul yeah. from, from, of personnel from who we have now. But should we advocate for that, or should we have more of a two kingdoms approach. I'm definitely two kingdoms. And what I would say to that, the theonomist arguer is, um, I don't want to Christianize the government. I want to Christianize people. Yes. Uh, the government's not made in the image of God. The people are. Uh, so what, what we want to Christianize is, is the people who might then make up a government. Um, but know that I, I don't, I don't see a going to, to going to the text. That's where I always want to go first. Can I find that in scripture? Mm-hmm. I, I that's not what I get from what First Peter said about how to think about the government. He said, honor yeah. the king, submit the governments, obey the laws. Uh, Romans 13 tells us to, to do that. Uh, beyond that, no, I, government as, it sounds like that is using government as an example of the gospel even. I don't, if that seems like Maybe. That, I'm not, I'm not as well versed. Or righteousness. Yeah. Um, no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's our role uh, in the in the culture as Christians with politics. John, you hadn't said anything. You want to sound in here? <laughs> I think you guys are just running out of breath. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm glad that I haven't really said much. I've been really enjoying this conversation because this is something I don't often think about. Um, I mean, of course, you know, I have, uh, um, you know, we, we share common beliefs about, you know, social issues, homosexuality, abortion, things like that. Um, 
But I mean, come election time, like I guess it is election time. So I just, I don't even know. Like I'm just like it's political ads on TV. They don't annoy me, but like other people, other people annoy me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and what I really appreciated the conversation that I just witnessed was the affirmation of where I've always been. And that is that I am, but a stranger here, heaven is my home. Right. That, that the focus should be first and foremost on the gospel. And so suddenly now I don't feel so guilty for not really caring too much. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that was your intention, but that's how I'm going to take it. Uh, so thank, throw, so thank you for that. Let me throw an analogy on the table and I'm, I'm every, every analogy breaks down sure. at some point. And, and I'm just curious what you guys might think of this, because like I said, at the onset, all my cards on the table, I think I, my struggle right now with you know politics and social issues is I've even prayed this God let my concern and my 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 urgency be at the appropriate level yeah right because sometimes I wonder if it has waned to the point of not caring in a, in a in an unhealthy way um, and and so if I if my plumbing breaks in my house. Uh, and this might, maybe this stands in contrast to the theonomist. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if my plumbing breaks down, I'm going to hire a plumber. Yep. That's good. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I want that person to be able to fix my plumbing as quickly, efficiently, and cost effectively as possible so that my plumbing works because I need plumbing. Mm -hmm. you know? And it's not that I can't get by without it. You know, I mean, there many generations survived without indoor plumbing. Right. So I could adjust, but I don't want to because <laughs> in in America I have the resources to afford indoor plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. So when my plumbing breaks down, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find a really good plumber, and I don't really care where he stands or she on certain moral issues. I mean, mm -hmm. there are some things that would concern me. I don't want to hire a plumber that I question. They might come in my house and steal everything I own. Right. So there's some moral concern, mm -hmm. about it, right? There's some concern for this person's character and uh, not just their competency, but also their character. But there is a limit on that. I'm not so concerned about where they stand on abortion or where they stand on, uh, you know, even, you know, homosexuality and what this is where the analogy starts to break down because I I am concerned when I, I vote about where a politician stands on a vision or where they stand on homosexuality um, but again I go back to what I said earlier the world's gonna be the world yeah and in America it's not surprising to me that the the institution of marriage is being redone from a cultural standpoint, that's yeah. not surprising to me. Okay. Now, I am I going to vote for somebody uh, if if I have two political candidates in front of me that that one stands on one side of that issue and one stands on the other mm -hmm. of homosexuality, and then I look at the other host of issues that are out there, mm -hmm. the economy, right? Uh, where do they stand on religious freedoms? Where do they stand on global issues? Uh, you know, it, there, there's just a, an, a swath of issues that I have to weigh in the context of I want to be able to function as a kingdom citizen at my highest capacity in this country. And whether or not homosexual marriage is affirmed by my government, as long as my religious freedom stays intact, I can counsel the homosexuality, homosexual with the gospel Right. Which is the ultimate solution. It's not whether or not America is 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 willing to uh, affirm a man and a man or a woman and a woman as married. You know, my my biggest issue is, do I have the platform and the freedom in this country to. So I, I don't know if I'm even making sense, but it's like there, there is a part of me that looks at the the options that are presented to me in a broken political system, by the way, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, this two party thing and, and um, that the options are so limited that I look at that and I go, I need to hire a plumber. 
who's going to get that job mm-hmm. done. And that, that almost sounds to a degree and feel free to disagree anybody. Um, and, and I, and I could probably push back on, you know, homosexual marriage and as long as we have the freedom because there necessarily comes a degrading of religious freedom when a lot of that stuff happens. I agree. And right. I push right. back on it. Cause I'm right. Um, but it almost sounds, and this, I'm going to get really nerdy for a second. Um, but it almost sounds like you're advocating as I would for something like sphere sovereignty, uh, like Abraham Kuyper. Uh, and for those of you who aren't in, uh, nerdy circles, uh, Abraham Kuyper, was a Dutch guy and a reformed minister who actually worked his way up to being the prime minister for a while. And he was all about the government has its sphere, like its job as, as God has said, the church has its jobs and the family has its jobs. And when those certain spheres try to cross over into the others, uh, that's when we end up with our biggest problems is when the government tries to invade the church and say, hey, here's your membership requirements for, for Resurrection Church. Well, we're going to have a <laughs> we're going to have a big problem with that. And then when, uh, you know, the church or the government tries to tell the family what to do and obviously like child abuse. Sure. Notwithstanding. Uh, but, hey, you can't spank your kids or something along those lines, um, that's when we have the biggest problems. So any yeah. any thoughts yeah. on that? Um, I, I agree with the sphere sovereignty thing. That is where things get go wrong. So yeah. God, God ordained the systems, right? right. He, when he created Garden of Eden, when the family was supposed to do mm-hmm. these things, and then the church is going to do these things, and then he did also establish governments to do some other things. And so when those cross over, you're outside of God's ordained order, yeah, you're going to have problems. The thing you were saying there about the hiring the plumber, so I think the only word of caution I have there then is, so we have to get a plumber to do the is, work. Is go to Angie's list. <laughs> Find a good one there. Have lots of stars. Is we we as the church then, we do have to be careful about the the association we create with that plumber. If that plumber is of ill repute, if that plumber mm-hmm. is of a bad reputation. Uh, where, yeah, we can associate ourselves with most plumbers, but an even higher one, but where we are loud and we are really, the culture around us is saying, we really believe in this plumber and that <laughs> plumber is a bad person. We got to be careful. They get muddies waters for people. Well, well you know, we, that plumber's name is Joe, right? <laughs> Joe, Joe the plumber. You know, we've talked about uh, this in similar circumstances with uh, with musicians, uh, with authors, role models, mm. you know, and anything that the church could, uh, the church or just a member of the church, you or I, uh, would uh, almost endorse saying, oh, man, I love this song. You should totally check this guy out. Yes. You know, whoever it might be. Um, you know, that sort of off the cuff shoot from the hip endorsement can be very dangerous. It's like, Oh, you totally need to go use this plumber. He did it so well in a day. Uh, turns out he also used lead pipe. Oops, but he got it done really, really fast. It looks awesome. You know? So yeah, I, I'm, I'm buying this, uh, buying this metaphor hardcore. I, I can appreciate that quite a bit. But I think you bring up another issue, Corey, of this, how loud the church gets mm-hmm. about it with their endorsements. It, it, to me, that that's the problem. Yeah. Is, 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 is there room in our minds for a, um, educated, you know, fairly well thought Christian to endorse Trump as the president, uh, to, to be the president because maybe given the options, they thought this this is the best plumber for me to choose from, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that I affirm him. Yeah. So, so the, the the evangelical world has gotten so tied with Trump yeah, that's that now if any any Christians you know posts something on social media that they support Trump, which I'll, I'll just go ahead and say this from the onset, I think Trump is the most polarizing figure in American history. And there are just enormous problems that he presents, uh, I think, socially, politically, yeah. morally, um, 
and otherwise, and, and even in terms of my expectations for the character of the person that would occupy that office, yeah, are there some things that he's done that I might say, yeah, I agree with that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I I don't have a problem with someone supporting Trump who is a Christian or someone supporting Hillary Clinton who is a Christian if they feel like that's the person that's going to do the best job. To, you know, in, in, in terms of the presidency so that the church can be the church, that doesn't mean that that's a kingdom endorsement. We've turned political alignment into a kingdom endorsement in the church. Yep. And yep. that is just that's so yep. problematic. So I think if we get our language to this, uh, to be this, this careful, um, am I allowed to, to make fun of a Texas pastor real quick? I'm just are there rules on this podcast? <laughs> no, I, I know, I know where you're. I know exactly okay. where you're going. Because the difference, there's a difference between a vote and support, yeah. right? And so, well, you're Robert Jeffress, and you 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 literally are talking about this particular personality as a righteous man that God has chosen for this moment, or you are my pastor who says, "Hi, I don't feel I don't feel, I don't feel good about this. I've been prevented, presented with two choices. I am voting for this person as the best of two. I don't support this person. I pray for them, and I pray for mm-hmm. the country. I'm going to cast a vote that I'm very unhappy with. The person who casts the vote, hey, we're, we're good. The person who has the support, well, you've got your kingdoms mix, mixed up. You, you've got this Americanity thing. Uh, and that I think that needs to be called out to repent of. Uh, there's not a call to repentance to the voter who was just as uh, it sounds like you actually have some agony over this. Like yeah. there, there are those that have some agony over that decision in 2016. Yeah. Uh, the person who agonizingly went to the polls and voted for one of them. Fine, whatever. We're good. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, it's the cheerleading that was the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Where and, and I'm obviously I've, I've taken at least 12 years to learn to start to learn um, the the mentality of of gently speak like like we said at the beginning of the episode of even attempting and and of course i'm a fan of satire and parody and making fun of people your meme game is very strong <laughs> well thank you i i tried very hard <laughs> it's, it's really fun. um especially since i've uh, discovered the west memester confession yes page which yeah. is fantastic it is um which is more theological than it is political um where was I going with this? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> is is learning how to. Uh, sometimes we have to be blunt. Yeah. Uh, like there's just no getting around that. Sometimes we need to be blunt, but other times we need a more careful, almost like a a surgical procedure, like an arthroscopic procedure, yeah. where you where you make a tiny hole, go in almost sneakily, and then the recovery time from uh, saying said statements. Um, is much shorter than if you just splay someone open mm-hmm. and give them a total knee replacement. And and I'm, you know, and me having more libertarian, monarchical uh, type of views, you know, sometimes I don't mean to, but it, sometimes the ideas are just so different mm-hmm. from people that they may feel a lot harsher than I intend them to be. Yep. Um, and I think we need to be aware of that as well. Yeah, we sometimes think about the political discussions differently than we do every other thing that become, can become an idol, and mm-hmm. we shouldn't. But there's a, it's just a different idolatry. The, the, right. uh, the government should, there's all kinds of idolatries. This just happens to be one of them. And we would be so gentle to go to somebody about their their habit of what they consume in media uh, and how they're not being careful about it and what the language they, they get and the, uh, the, the sexual content they're taking in through shows. We would be so patient, and we would be... Be careful with them. But when we're going to do it politically, when they have a political idol, we just we just scream at them. I think this is my that's my natural inclination. Right. It takes the Holy Spirit. It's a ton of a ton of work. It's a ton of work for him uh, to, to, to to hold me back on that. So uh, it's it's just not treating the two differently. If we're if we're talking about counseling the American Christian, it's just set your affections differently. You know, we we all have our affections, yeah. we all have our affections on the wrong thing often we turn good things into ultimate things some folks just have the idol of government some folks just have the idol of nationalism and so we just call gently at first against that idol mm-hmm. repent of that idol I mean, I've got my own idols you have this one and then uh, don't treat it like there's uh, differently than the other idolatries that are out there and there's there's I think something to be said for uh, Romans 14 Christian liberty within this as well where if, if someone feels strongly like yeah I'm going to wear this American flag t-shirt 
Um, in terms of in terms of your standing before Jesus, that doesn't change your standing before Jesus. Yep. Whereas if I decide, hey, I'm not going to take part in wearing a flag T-shirt, just to use a very benign, <laughs> a very benign example, then you also cannot pass judgment upon me for that. It's not right. covered in the Bible, and our patriotism or nationalism is not indicative of our sanctification or justification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a technical term for that doctrine, right? Is it adiaphria? The, adiaphria, uh, yeah. Adiaphria, yeah. The doctrine of Christian liberty. Yeah. Where we can leave each other alone in some of these things where it doesn't go into sin. Uh, but the, I don't know, my overarching theme for, for Christians in, uh, in involvement is don't, don't, uh, don't be totally uninvolved. We, we are called to salt and light. We are called to be exiles. So we're working for the better of the city. We are, we do have uh, even in Galatians says that uh, do do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. Well, don't yeah. don't leave out the uh, do good to all people. So we have some <laughs> kind of responsibility to the culture around us, but it's not the live or die that some people have at it. So yes. some people have it as we're going to live and die by the by the political uh, by the political results, and you're not. It's fine. Uh, you don't have to be so scared of, uh, of it. Uh, I've even tried to started started to get people to understand this. It's very likely that ten years from now you'll all realize that what was happening in Silicon Valley what was, is much more important than what ha- is what's happening in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Like, that's actually affecting your life more. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so if if we can just get folks to take all their affections and their passions off of the topic, you can be healthily involved in these in these things, in these debates. We, yeah. We've kind of danced around it, but I'm interested, Corey, like what you would say about the, you know, the church itself, um, Having patriotic Sundays, having, uh, I mean, you know, some type of ceremony that celebrates America and, and in the context of worship on the Lord's Day and how that affects what we're talking oh, yeah. about. We would never, ever do it at Beachwood Church. Um, if, and if being part, I wouldn't leave a church over it if I were involved with one, but I would counsel heavily against it uh, because it is a, even for our kids, for that visitor, it gives the wrong impression about who we are. Because uh, just a, a word to American patriots, uh, the kingdom of God was here before 1776. And when this thing falls apart, whenever it does, the kingdom of God is going to be just fine. Uh, it's oh, going to yeah. go on for all of eternity. Uh, America is not a necessity for uh, for God's kingdom. And so I don't like it. I think it gives people the wrong impression uh, mm-hmm. of where our allegiance is. But uh, I don't want to, I'm not calling anybody a heretic over it. Um, I would even maybe right. put it into your Romans 14 adiaphora uh, category. Do you have feelings about it? Yeah. Are similar to mine? <laughs> yeah, very, very, uh, right in line with yours. I okay. think, um, you know, it, I think it, I think it's a discipleship issue but because I do think that, um, you know, our inability to have fruitful conversation, um, you know, Christians, you know, letting their endorsements go too far. Um, or, or their protests go too far mm-hmm. um, has a lot to do with this, this this unhealthy blend of our kingdom citizenship with our American citizenship and and the fuzziness that that happens with you know how does that hierarchy line up like in, in terms of our allegiance and I think I think we have to particularly in the South uh, be strategic about it and you know. What, what we've chosen to do here at Resurrection Church is that the only time of the year where America or the military or anything like that gets mentioned in, in any kind of like honoring way is Memorial Day. And what I always try to do is I try to honor the sacrifice of men and women for the freedoms we enjoy in America for the sake of the church. Mm. Is, is I always try to point it to that. I always try to say, look, we're giving God thanks for these people. We're praying for these families that grieve and mourn on them because these sacrifices provide us freedoms that we enjoy. And the most, uh, the, you know, the, really there's a, there's a point of gratitude and there's a challenge. One Memorial Day, I preached a sermon. Are we maximizing the freedoms that we celebrate? It's a great point. Yeah. You know, are we, are we evangelistically, Discipleship wise, are we, you know, we, we, we talk about God and country, you know, and, and all the freedoms we enjoy. Are we maximizing it for the sake of the kingdom? So I think to use that day 
not because I feel pressure to do it. I don't have any pressure in my church whatsoever to, to, to do America, honoring America Sundays. But I do think there's an opportunity there that I try to seize every year to, to reinforce this. Our, our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. We yeah. are strangers and aliens. And here's at least a basis from which to think about our country and the, the great and wonderful parts of it and the men and women that sacri- make sacrifices to defend those freedoms is that we, we get to be the church here in America uh, we get to use those freedoms for the sake of the kingdom. And, and, and I think even I've done this at least once on Memorial Day is include an honoring of missionaries who are giving the ultimate sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom. That's good. And, and one of the things I appreciate about that approach is you're not dropping in this this goofy, um, there's two people who will ever die for you and Jesus for oh, your sins gosh. and the American soldier for your freedom, particularly, yeah. uh, and this, this event in my life, and we've talked about this a little bit is kind of what cued a lot of my political stance overhaul is in 2011, I had a family friend who was killed in a helicopter accident mm-hmm. and, uh, and my dad was the executor of his will. Mm-hmm. And he was that he was special forces. He was that guy in, in my church growing up where, uh, you know, all the girls just thought he was the hottest guy on the planet. And he was pretty much like even all the dudes are like, yeah, I want to I want biceps like him and I will never have biceps like David Ortman. Um, and then, uh, you know, all the dudes were like, man, he's going to blow up so much more stuff than I ever will in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and once that happened is when I started looking into things like just war theory mm-hmm. and and reevaluating things like an overemphasis on American exceptionalism and stuff like that. And, and even idolatry of, of nationalism and stuff like that. So that is one thing I appreciate is we can recognize, yes, this is important and it's not the most important Yes, at the same time. I, and I think that's a good balancing act yeah. to have. Yeah. There's a, the bottom line is the culture where we are culturally, people are scared and panicked. They're actually scared of other Americans. They, they, they fear the consequences of quote, the other side, end quote, having power. That's one of the jobs of the Christian is bring down that temperature, bring down that anxiety and that fear that in our system, but also in God's sovereignty, that they're, you're not, they're not going to hurt you. Right? We're, we, we, can, we can call our people away from that kind of anxiety where every other part of the culture tells them, have anxiety, be scared, be scared of the other side. They're trying to crush you. They're trying to wreck you. Well, we don't we don't have to have that that fear and anxiety around those things. Uh, so just trying to bring the, the temperature down some, thinking slower, thinking deeper about those inputs around this. Just trying to find that balance. That balance is hard, guys. Yeah. So I guess I guess we can even boil it down to before we get into our recommended reading because we're I think we're starting to run up uh, run a little long here. Is is bring the temperature down. Yes. Soft answers. Don't idolize government or a country, whether it's America or whether it's Canada. Yep. Even though, never mind. Nobody idolizes Canada. Um, <laughs> and God is sovereign. Yeah. I'll add one more. I think the theme to understand the American Christian's role in all this is exile, exile, exile. Under, yeah. Get that word deep in your soul. Yeah. What am I here? I am an exile. I can't wait to go home. I am longing for the city that wasn't built with hands. Like, this is where I'm from. Yeah, and, and that reminds me of, of and I, I'm pretty sure I've told this story on this podcast before, but when I exhibited at G3, uh, this this guy comes up to my booth, the Westminster Effects booth, westminstereffects.com, give me your money, uh, and I will give you pedals. Um, shameless plugs. Uh, but is is a... To describe this guy, he was a black guy with kind of a sweeter voice. You know, like it, he did not have a big baritone, bassy voice. Uh, but we get to talking. He's like, you know, I'm from San Francisco. You're from South Carolina. And we both love Jesus. And that immediately gives us more in common than the people right next door who look just like us. Amen. Uh, and sound just like ourselves and even That's have good. the same interest as ourselves. I, I, I've tried to get that to our people at Beachwood all the time. You have more in common 
with the Madagascarian Christian <laughs> than you do your pagan neighbor. So true. Just yeah. because you, you guys cheer for the same football team. You're from the same neighborhood. You you drive the same kind of truck. But, man, the, all those things are so fleeting and going away. That oh, yeah. The real unity is in Christ. And that's where you get that exile thing has to come in, knowing who we are. Yep. Uh, and uh, as you said earlier, Pastor Cox, being in Christ first. Yeah. So, Corey, you want to start us off with some recommended reading? I know you are well read, and I I know I didn't tell you to prepare for this. Oh, that's good. But, but throw us a, a book or two. Um, one old, one new. Um, so right, the old, the old is uh, Total Truth from Nancy Piercy is an important book for everybody to read. Um, not for necessarily your political view, but to make sure your mind is clear, uh, that you're thinking straight. I think I want. I think Americans have trouble thinking in a straight line. Mm. Um, Chuck Colson and Nancy Piercy do a very good job of making sure you're thinking linearly, uh, that your arguments are straight, that you thought through things process as well. Um, so certainly, uh, Nancy uh, Piercy's Total Truth. Um, and right now, just to understand your culture, I think The Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt is really important. Totally secular book there. Uh, but understanding your countrymen and where they're coming from, uh, he's done a lot of good research on that. That'll help you be a more effective communicator to people right now. Awesome. Bradley, you got anything? I did, but uh, Corey stole it. I was going to recommend The Calling of the American Mind. So. Really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, so. that's a double recommendation. Double, yeah. double endorsement. You have to go read it now. That means we have to put twice as many Amazon affiliate links. I'll tell, tell you what I'll add to that, though, uh, by way of scripture. Um, I don't think it's bad to recommend scripture reading um, as well. Is you know in Isaiah six um, when when Isaiah saw the Lord, that was a, that was a um, King Uzziah had died, and you know this is a hour uh, in Israel with a lot of fanfares. Young, uh, he was going to be. You know the next great king, and of course he commits sin and becomes a leper. Which, if, if you can, I don't even know that we can fathom how that would have felt to Israel mm-hmm. to say, yeah. "Our king is a leper." Yeah. That is like, I mean, I'm not even going to make comparisons, but whatever whatever comparison works for you to imagine your president or your king being in, you know, having just a you know, a t- terrible, embarrassing, um, you know, thing happen or whatever. That That's what was going on there. And yet God comes to Isaiah and he doesn't make any political promises or, or anything. He just peels the veil back and, and look, here's the throne. And yeah. I'm sitting on it. And good, man. that to me is... You know, when I look at the political landscape in America, in particular, um, I off, my mind often goes back to that, just to to remember that God's still on the throne. It's good, brother. Yeah, what you got, John? I am but a slacker here. I left my book at home. <laughs> oh I, uh, man, this is why I, we can't I'm, have nice podcasts, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I know. I know. And this this uh, is even after we forgot to even do a suggested reading last week. Well, don't we let just, them on. We just until totally this moment they thought it all was planned, and they're like, "Oh, I see what they did there." I don't know if there was a thing to see, but they could have thought that. But now they don't because you told them to let them on to disorganization. <laughs> I don't know. No book, but final thoughts uh, from from me. Um, I just want to thank you, Corey, for coming on uh, today and and inspiring this conversation because it's not one I, I I don't think I would have had this conversation had it not been for you coming on, not just in the context of the podcast, but, but at all. And I'm, I'm grateful uh, to have had this opportunity to listen to you and, uh, and to, uh, to, to hear the input of, of, uh, you know, the fellow hosts, you know, and, and all that, but, but also I'm, I'm grateful that you point us still to Christ. And I am, I am very, uh, uh, very grateful for that. So those are my, my final sentimental thoughts for the day. It has been Uh, an honor to be here. I appreciate the kind words. And so my suggested reading is how the nation's rage by Jonathan Lehman. So good of nine marks. Uh, very good book about, 
It, it doesn't tell you what to think as a Christian yeah. in in regards to politics, but how to think about it, how to talk about it. Kind of kind of what we've done here, but it's Jonathan Lehman, so he does probably a better job than oh, we yeah. did. <laughs> um, Corey, before we head out, uh, where can we find? The Corey Truax Show. It's very uh, hard to, uh, to title my show. We worked very hard uh, and named it after myself. Uh, the Corey Truax Show. Uh, it's CoreyTruax.com. You can also get my podcast uh, live if you're in the upstate of South Carolina on WLFJ, Christian Talk 660, 805 on Saturday mornings. You can also get it at ChristianTalk660.com if you want to listen live. But as most do, it's the podcast. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, SoundCloud, Stitcher. We're literally everywhere. Just look for The Corey Truax Show on Spotify now as well. Uh, so you can listen to the podcast anywhere. Just look for my very weird name, Corey Truex. Awesome. It sounds like you've done that a few times. Yeah, the um, the radio thing is what, is what I love. And so I have been practicing that that radio voice and doing that WLFJ Christian Talk 660 thing for a while now. <laughs> On that note, if you're actively writing and performing music and would like to be an official Westminster artist and even get, get a song of yours played at the end of one of these podcast episodes, fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. Follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review. As always, we don't care if it's honest. Just give us five stars. <laughs> so here is Westminster artist Austin Anderson with Devoted Worship. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Yeah.